Coming up on the WAC Podcast, we are now fully into fall. Kent was going to talk with Cole Michelson, the head men's soccer coach at California Baptist, as the Lancers are the pick to win the WAC, and they start the season at West Virginia and at Michigan. We also have volleyball starting this week. Stephen F. Austin is the pick to win the league. And women's soccer, we already have players of the week. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. This is how we're saying. Yes. So good. Energy. We're here because week one of the 23-24 school year fall schedules have begun. Women's soccer kicked off last Thursday, August 17th. This Thursday, men's soccer will kick off. Volleyball will kick off. I guess not really kick off. Tip off. The next serve off. Serve off. Set off. Uh, not uh, kill off. No, that's, not <laughs> that's not a good one. That's not a good one. But uh, we're, we're fully underway here women's soccer we we talked a lot about it last week we had our our lovely new employee jess on to break down this season as well as uh utah valley head coach chris, chris LeMay. LeMay. and they went on a trip to hawaii to start the season and yes they uh they tied hawaii in uh, one of the games and then beat houston christian five to one and because of that our first Ticket Smarter Offensive Player of the Week Ooh. goes to Utah Valley's Faith Weber. She scores uh, three goals and has an assist in that Hawaii trip. So she is our Offensive Player of the Week, brought to you by Ticket Smarter. McCarley Holloman from Abilene Christian is our Defensive Player of the Week. Get this, Kendra. The Wildcats had two shutouts on the week. They went down to Lamar, a team that's picked to win the Southland, a, a very good women's soccer program beat them in Beaumont 1-0, and then they defeat Texas Southern 3-0. So our defensive player of the week goes to McCarley Holloman of ACU. And then Michaela Kendall of Tarleton State, sophomore goalkeeper, is our goalkeeper of the week. She had 14 saves, a 0.5 goals against average, 933 save average as they had a draw against uh, the University of Louisiana Monroe and defeated Texas A&M Commerce. So a pretty good start uh, to the season as a whole for the Western Athletic Conference in women's soccer. And now I'm not biased because I was a goalkeeper, but 14, 14 stops on the week is pretty impressive. You're, uh, you're That's first, a lot of shots. Yeah. That's a lot of shots on goal. Yeah, yeah. I would be concerned about that defensive line there uh, getting through <laughs> so many times. But um, we had we had a lot of a lot of good uh, showings from our, our teams. You know, a lot of our teams have elevated their non-conference schedule, playing tougher opponents, and so that's what you're going to get. You're going to get uh, a lot of big big tests early on. So it might not necessarily get the result you're looking for, but you're playing those big time opponents and hoping that it's going to improve your game and get you ready for that that conference slate. Well, after that Hawaii trip, uh, you mentioned Chris LeMay. They play on Thursday against number 25-ranked Clemson. Woo! And that is At in Orem. And uh, that'll be a doubleheader. So they're actually kicking off the men's soccer season against UMKC. That game is followed up then with that Utah Valley-Clemson matchup. And then uh, it's not like he's just going to sit around and, and do nothing. They have a very tough schedule all season long at Utah Valley. Uh, they're going to go on the road to USC after that. 
Yeah, they are. They're they're also going to Utah. They're going to play. Um, yeah, they're playing stacked opponents pretty much their their entire slate, and that's what they wanted to do with getting their RPI potentially so that it didn't just come down to one or two games. But we're seeing those big Power 5 opponents being scheduled across the board. Grand Canyon plays at Arizona. That'll be a big-time matchup as well. So really excited to see our teams uh, get underway here. We're going to talk uh, some men's soccer with Tony Jones, the Assistant Commissioner for Communications for the Wacky oversees the men's soccer uh, media relation side of things. Uh, volleyball, as you mentioned, Kendra, also now underway. They had the preseason poll come out, and Stephen F. Austin, the team who won the WAC tournament last year, went down to Baylor uh, in the NCAA tournament. They are the team picked to win WAC volleyball. Grand Canyon at number two, UTRGV at number three, with Utah Valley number four. The Wolverines will be hosting this year's WAC Volleyball Tournament in November. Yeah, Stephen F. Austin just makes sense that, you know, they were the pick. They had nine first-place votes total. Um, just a really solid program. They return Elon Bradley, who's their – is actually the WAC preseason player of the year, the right-side hitter, uh, was tremendous last season with the WAC Tournament MVP. And they also have Haley Hong, who was chosen as the preseason libero of the year, led the WAC in total digs. And then UTRGV was that team that won the won the uh, regular season. They hosted, um, and they have the setter of the year in Luana Emiliano. And she was Luana, the WAC. Excuse me, Luana Emiliano. Sorry, Luana. She was the WAC setter of the year last year as well. And you're going to have a – conversation with Luana, I think, this week, right? Absolutely. That's scheduled for Wednesday. And on well, uh, Instagram Live. <laughs> yes, Instagram Live. It'll be... Whack All Access. Whack All Access. Officially back. Waxess. Waxess. I'm trying to... Hashtag. Probably 1.30, 12.30, 1.30 Central Time, Still, still working on the time. Stand by on that. So also wanted to uh, to point out, uh, today you're, you're, you traveled... The WAC, you went to Tarleton State. I'm a busy lady. And got to uh, see their new facility, Groundbreaking, which is pretty groundbreaking for the folks in Stephenville because they're going to get a brand new arena. Yeah, it's a $110 million Oof. event center that's set to be built. Construction going to begin this spring with move-in the following year. So the basketball games will currently still be played in Wisdom Gym one final year. And it's supposed to be a two-story, multi-purpose arena. Going to obviously house the men's and women's basketball, but it's going to be a spot to have concerts, ceremonies, convocations, things like that, and really a spot for the whole community to get behind. You look at what Tarleton's done. I mean, their facility upgrades in the past four years as they've been going through this transition pro period have have been really uh, insane. I mean, they're just they're they're really impressive. Um, so it was really cool to go down there today. Got a chance to talk to Billy Gillespie, the men's basketball coach, Bill Brock, who's our new women's basketball coach in his first year. Just about how excited they're going to be to, you know, they said this is a game changer in terms of recruiting and getting people to Stephenville, where some people, hey, oh, Stephenville, Texas, do we want to go? Look at these facilities. Everybody's on board. And you look at the location of Stephenville, and it has that still kind of that small town feel, but at the same time, you're not very far away from a major metropolitan area in Dallas right. Fort Worth. And I mean, you're what about an hour away from Fort Worth uh, yeah. when, when you get to Stephenville? 
You have the Heart 8 barbecue. I know. Didn't there. get to go today, which was a bummer. But, but we you did get a nice uh, lunch, as yes. I understand it. Yes. Shout out to Tarleton State for putting on a fantastic lunch, and I believe it was brought to us by Sedexco. So uh, thank you to them. Yeah, beautiful pork chop today, and uh, it was it was delicious. It was fantastic. Hospitality was great. Didn't get to try the cookies that were outside. I was trying to film, but wish I would have because I heard great feedback from our commissioner. Uh, Brian Thornton, and as well as our Associate Commissioner of Basketball, Drew Spira, who had them, and they said they were absolutely delicious. So I'm kind of bummed. And, and this is the kind of thing we, we like to feature as well when we have events like this going on because it's going to help the entire conference. The, the fact that Tarleton State's getting a new arena like this. We saw Abilene Christian and all the improvements they did to their arena and, and how fantastic that is now. We saw this happen a couple years ago with California Baptist in their arena, of course, Grand Canyon, when they went Division One, we see Seattle U playing some games at uh, Climate Pledge Arena. So just the the fact how all these facilities in the WAC, everywhere you go, if everybody has a great facility, it's going to help recruiting. It's going to help draw fans in. It just helps everybody. Exactly. And not to mention that, I mean, uh, opposing teams are going to get to come in and play in a beautiful facility, and, and it's going to be, you know, that big home hometown advantage for for the Texans as well now they I both head coaches said they're gonna miss wisdom gym they got one more year in it and it was a great uh home feel home court advantage for them as well but certainly excited for that they did they had the sand the purple sand and everybody dug into it with the shovels and the hard hat it was it made for a wonderful photo opportunity but just another uh, just a a signal or a a uh, what is it? What I'm trying to think of, you know, it, symbol, symbol, signal, symbol, <laughs> a symbol of, uh, you know, the construction and what's to come. So that was fun. Fun little road trip today. So uh, back to volleyball real quick yeah. here. Well, we have a ton of games starting on Friday, August 25th, with, uh, volleyball getting underway. Uh, most of the WAC schools are going to be on the road to start the season. But guess what? Tarleton State's going to be at home. They play Prairie View A&M. That'll be uh, our first match of the year, 9.30 a.m. on Friday morning, as, as we'll have a number of tournaments, those kind of things going on. Utah Valley, uh, we, we talk about Chris LeMay and the tough schedule he has. How about uh, their coach, uh, Sam Atoa, the volleyball coach? North Carolina State, they're going to play them at noon. And this is in Orem. This is at Utah Valley. And then they're going to follow that up. Uh, let's uh, just have Utah at 6 o'clock on uh on Friday night to start the season. Wow, so two power, header. two power five schools are going to play at home on the on opening day. Talk about uh, that big non-conference slate, man. That's that's one way to start the season. Heck of a momentum boost for them if they win those as well. And even if they don't, it's a great opportunity to see some really big time opponents as well. It is. It Get is at so, home. So much uh, going on this weekend now. So that with volleyball, men's soccer both starting. Uh, women's soccer underway. Of course, we talked a little bit about the UAC last week, week zero. They're they're going to have a, a a team in the UAC North Alabama is going to be playing their first game on ESPN uh, this weekend. So, a lot to look forward to. When we come back, we're going to talk to Tony Jones, our assistant commissioner for communications, about men's soccer and the start of the season. You're listening to the Black Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan, now joined by Tony Jones, Assistant Commissioner of Communications for the Western Athletic Conference. Tony, we 
are now into the fall season. Summertime's over, even though it's like 110 degrees outside. Men's soccer, we had the preseason poll come out last week. California Baptist, the pick to win the conference. Remember, they were the five seed in the tournament last year, turned it on, won the tournament, went to UCLA, actually I think had a lead for, for a time before they uh, uh, succumbed to the, the Bruins there. As far as the uh, the preseason poll, any surprises there do you see? None that really stood out. I think CBU was a worthy team to be at the top. That's a veteran team returning with Coach Michelson and, and his team, as you said, a fifth seed last year. The way that the, the WAC tournament works is, you know, it's the seeds are not determined based, as some leagues do, they determine them based on your finish that year. And some leagues don't know until a week before their, their conference soccer tournament where they're going to actually host their tournament. So mm. having the predetermined hosts here in the WAC is, you know, something CBU could circle that on their calendar all year of, hey, we need to get in this thing so we can host at home. And I truly believe, and, you know, Kendra was there at the event last year, that lifted them to the win as, as the five seed. They fed off the home crowd and were able to raise that trophy. And as you said, go to UCLA, a soccer powerhouse for a number of years and, and play really strongly. So when you look at the roster of who's coming back of, of their handful of players who made that preseason all-conference team, it makes a lot of sense that they still have a lot of the respect of their peers as kind of the top team. And when you see the other teams there at the top, you know, the Air Forces of the world – and others, those have been the strongest teams as you kind of go back through the recent history of the league. So nobody that really stood out, I think some of the teams who can maybe surprise this year are the UNLVs of the world. Coach B.J. Craig, again, a tournament host, as we said last year with CBU, feeding off knowing that you're going to be that host and, and wanting to put your best foot forward and get into the postseason. I, I think that's a team that's going to be much improved. I think, you know, the UTRGVs of the world, they're bringing some players back, have some impact transfers, including a player from within the conference who, who who's moved over. So it should be another strong year and, and a good showing from the league. And we're certainly looking forward here these next few weeks of non-conference until everyone starts taking each other on. So should be another great fall. Well, you know, one of the things about men's soccer that was so impressive last year is how close the seeding was. And I think at one point, California Baptist was the two seed head into the tournament. Then they dropped a few critical games down that last stretch, ended up falling to that five seed, forcing them to play that extra game, not earning that bye. And uh, so it, it's just such a such a tough conference to play and we at one point were a two-bid league when you look at the uh the preseason uh player of the year award so of course thomas beecham from california baptist gets the defense of player of the year preseason player of the year award uh air force senior thaddeus doing offensive player of the year that's that's a name doing that we we've heard quite some time as his brother i believe also mm -hmm. played in the WAC as well what stands out to you from that senior as is that his last year of eligibility? It's it's hard to tell these days. It's hard to tell anymore <laughs> with how things have gone. I believe that they've gone through and updated the roster, and they're showing him now as a senior on their roster. If you look back through, I think there was a redshirt year in there for him, so he very well may have another year before any service commitments and things at Air Force. But doing was second in the conference last year, behind last year's Offensive Player of the Year, Sean Joash from GCU, who's now playing some professional soccer. So the, the leading returning scorer of all players in the conference, I, obviously that was a name that stood out. Thomas Beecham, we talked about that run for CBU. I'd say Beecham was probably, if not the, the overall key for that, was certainly one of the top players for the Lancers 
on that postseason run, along with uh, keeper Nolan Premack, who caught fire in the tournament and really made some crucial saves and penalties and, and everything for the Lancers to win that. But Beecham stood out, and you know the preseason goalkeeper of the year. I think there was some some argument for for a Nolan Premack, who's a guy who's who's still on the CBU roster. But David Sweeney having a, a sub one goals against average in soccer that that's a tough thing to do. I mean, a, a sub one when you're the primary keeper for a team. You know, his save percentage was, I believe, up, you know, in the, the 850, something like that for a full season. A really strong year for him last year. He led the conference in shutouts. I think he had eight solo shutouts uh, out of his starts for the Spartans last year. And, and to come back as a grad student has a lot of veteran experience. And, and to bring that experience back to the Spartans, I think that's why you saw them sort of land at second in the poll, having a strong goalkeeper. I think they led everybody with four total members of that all-conference uh, team in the preseason with Bo LaRoe and some other players. So should be a really strong roster back for the Spartans again this year. Well, going back to uh, Thaddeus doing, got to throw in my two cents on, oh, yeah. on him. Uh, as I lived in Colorado Springs for 25 years, he is a product of Air Academy High School, which is actually on the campus of the Air Force Academy. That's great. His brother, a great player, Austin doing, but his father was a wrestler at the Air Force Academy. His grandfather was a gymnast at the Air Force Academy. So you got three generations. And keep in mind, Air Force Academy, you have to be appointed by a senator and, uh, you know, pass all the tests and everything to be uh, accepted into the Air Force Academy. And they're always, they're always a team that seems to be right in the thick of it every year. But, Tony, uh, something you mentioned there, UNLV is, is a team that's interesting. This is a team over the last 10 years has been one of the top two or three teams in the WAC along with – Air Force and Seattle U, and you, you can throw in a few others. San Jose State's been there. Um, but as far as, as their buildup, and they get to host the, the tournament this year, and we just mentioned CBU had that circle. That, do you think that'll be the case with the Rebels this year in terms of, hey, we don't want to miss our own party here? You would like to think so. And, and uh, per, myself personally, having worked with Coach B.J. Craig in the past, he was a national assistant coach of the year at Notre Dame, was a national champion at Notre Dame, was on the staff at Oregon State with Coach Terry Boss, was a national champion at Oregon State. He brings a national pedigree. He brings a championship pedigree to Las Vegas. And as you said, that's a team that had been very successful through their history here in the WAC and, and with the previous staff. So to add someone like Coach Craig with those bona fides nationally was, I think, a great pickup for the Rebels last year again you know, as we said, was was maybe not what they were looking for in his first year, but that, that sort of happens when you have a changeover and some roster attrition and things like that. So I know I know that they've been after it, as a lot of our teams have, and as is sort of the case in college athletics anymore, you're playing the portal, you're, you're, you're sort of playing that game of here today, gone tomorrow, unfortunately. But like I said, with that pedigree and, and his you know previous experience at St. Francis as a head coach, and he, he just brought a, a wealth of experience to that team. And uh, again, you see it. They, they maybe picked up a, a few more voting points in the preseason this year than last year. But still, eighth is not where they want to be, certainly. And, and I would be very surprised if by the end of the year, if they, they don't make some incremental gains on that eighth place preseason prediction. 
Yeah, as only six teams make our, our postseason conference tournament, you look at the four pick and the five pick and six pick, Seattle U, Grand Canyon, Utah Valley, all making appearances in last year's tournament. Seattle U, though, they have a uh, new head coach, Nate Delagon, as Pete Fewing, longtime head coach, officially retired. Nate Delagon, though, has had been on the roster, associate head coach. When you have a coach that's been in the program and they move – move up to head coach and especially with the transfer portal and keeping familiarity with coaches how much do you think that that plays into effect and what are you kind of expecting out of the Red Hawks yeah. this year I think for a team like Seattle you're mentioning you know the history they had with coach viewing and not only in the WAC but even before they they made the jump up to this level of competition that was you know his national championships all that success speaks for itself, and I think by, by kind of keeping it in the family, as you said, I think that was a very strategic move by the administrators at Seattle U to sort of keep that synergy going and to, to keep what they've had going. You know, last year maybe, as we've said, wasn't what certain teams were looking for. I think you would certainly say it was not what Seattle expected with some injuries to some veteran players, and now you'll – you know, new look, new look and goal for the first time in four years for the Red Hawks. New look up top for the first time in four years. Overall, you know, you've lost some some key veterans who you even had for a fifth year with with how things shook out. So, a lot of their leadership on the field and and more than likely based on what Coach Viewing had had mentioned off the field. You know, those were some key players who who really played a role in their locker room and with their team both on and off the field. It's hard to just replace those guys overnight, but as you said, you know, keep keeping it within kind of their framework and, and, and with with Coach Nate, who's a guy who had been there and, and sort of understands the, the, the process of the program, maybe the recruiting footprint a little bit. You'd like to think they'll be able to, to keep that uh, synergy going and to keep the momentum going. And I suppose if uh, Father Luck, in terms of the injury bug, is, is on their side <laughs> this year, that makes all the difference in the world. I, I think it's fair to say, had Seattle U not, had the injuries that they had to certain key players last year, not only would their seating have been different in our tournament, they would have, as you said, been in a different position to lead off that tournament. And, you know, all bets possibly could have been off at that point of where they would have been. So I think it was impressive for them to battle through it and to still get to where they got to last year. But I certainly think that they want to get back sort of into that top two, top three discussion again this season for sure. I think Father Luck's related to Oliver yeah. Luck, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> and Andrew Luck. We have uh, men's soccer starting Thursday, and a couple of WAC teams will, will be at home. Seattle U uh, playing a couple of home games or home matches. Utah Valley as well. But several schools, Tony, are, are going on the road and playing some Power 5 teams, uh, most notably California Baptist. And we have uh, an interview coming up with Cole Michelson that uh, Kendra did. Uh, outstanding interview, if I might say. And they uh, – and they were actually heading out on the road, I think, right afterwards. And, of course, they, they weathered uh, Hurricane Hillary over on, on that side. But starting off at West Virginia and Michigan, a couple of uh, Power 5 schools. And we're also seeing, you know, some, some kind of juicy matchups. Air Force and Army is always a good one because you the old cliche, throw the records out in that one because it's a service academy game. Can't even remember one right off the bat like this, a service yeah. academy game to open the season. But there are several matchups both Thursday and uh, Sunday that uh, people can check out either on ESPN Plus or, or elsewhere and get some whack men soccer action going. UTRGV at SMU was one that jumped out as well. It's an in-state uh, Texas matchup, but they, they draw really great crowds over there near Mockingbird at campus in Dallas. And 
Of course, for what the temperatures have been, I don't think we've seen south of 100 in what feels like eight to 10 months at this yes. point. So playing that game at eight o'clock at night, you know, eight o'clock even here in central time is a bit of an odd kick time, but they're doing so with as high school football opens, you know, with SMU soccer and some other local soccer, they're, they're adding that extra hour on at the end to try to get under 100 by the time we kick. And it's crazy to say that after eight o'clock, after the sun is basically down, that it's you're still, still yeah. you're still battling that heat. Oh. But that that'll be a late start uh, for the Vaqueros and for the Mustangs. Really, it's usually a, a seven o'clock start here. So that, but uh, as I said, they they really can pack people in over at their venue and, and draw really well for their games and a lot of support for the Mustangs, who've been one of the best teams in the American Conference their whole time in that league, and you know have really made their mark in this state in soccer and i i have argued have been possibly the best team you know kind of in this region mm-hmm. uh, not only in in their conference but just in general they've had long string of success so that's that's big for coach hancock and his team right out of the gates to to you know start off with a team like that unlv with uc irvine uh the cbu west virginia match service academy game uh, wake forest and grand canyon i mean wake forest mm-hmm. is a perennial powerhouse and talk about an environment i'm not quite sure at a four o'clock on a thursday at the end of summer with grand canyon that they might be drawing what they do in their acc games but they're known to put like 6,000, 6,500 people in that venue in the surrounding area with the fraternities out and, and things like that so that what an environment for gcu to kind of kick off the season and, and get their feet into them to to open the year so that's what i kind of alluded to earlier is this is kind of a nerve-wracking part of the season because there's so many of these juicy matchups, I guess we could say. But it's also that time where we, from the conference side, can really dig in and, and really kind of invest in what everybody's up to because, you know, there's not a winner and a loser on either side of that. Or I guess it is soccer. There could be a draw, which we honestly don't mind those because, <laughs> you know, everyone is our favorite when we look at the conference team. So if there's a draw, nobody wins or loses. So that's not a bad thing. But it is nice to have this portion of the non-conference season against some strong opposition to where we can kind of put that hat on and, and, and be, you know, cheering for one team in the match because it's, it's not a one V one opportunity as it is in conference play. Well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us, giving us some insight. Maybe we have a whack road trip right over to SMU down the road in Dallas. Just an idea. I wouldn't actually be in town, so I can't be a part of it. But I'm saying if you guys you guys want to. Uh, coming up next, Co Michelson, CBU men's soccer head coach, joins us the preseason. Coaches pull pick to win. Stay with us. Der, der, der. <laughs> Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference, and for more than 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. We have a very special guest joining us, Co Michelson, the head coach of California Baptist Men's Soccer Program. Coach Michelson, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, I was at your men's soccer tournament last year, the five seed. You come in and you win the whole thing. CBU's first ever ticket to the NCAA tournament for the program. Coming into this new year, preseason coaches poll picked to win 
what are kind of the emotions as, as you're in a, maybe a little bit different of a spot than you were last year? Yeah. Um, obviously last year, things were really tight in the whack. I think with 20 minutes left in our last regular season game at Utah Valley, we were the two seed and all of a sudden we gave up uh, some light goals and things changed, gave us a little more difficult path, but um, ultimately managed to come through that. Um, we do have a great group of returners, so we do have high expectations. I think, um, yeah, we're not surprised that we're um, viewed positively by the other by the other coaches. But I think uh, you know that unanimous thing was maybe a little bit of a surprise. But um, we definitely have a good group. We're excited about it. Um, I don't. It's an interesting thing because we have guys who've been here for four years when we were a brand new transitioning program and trying to make a name for ourselves. So it's cool for them to recognize the respect that the program now has. But at the end of the day, we don't get anything for that. Um, we're interested in being first when it matters and, and the trophy that comes with it. So um, we'll move on and take it for what it is and recognize it puts a little bit of a, maybe a target on our back, but um, it's done. It's gone. We move forward and focus on, on our play and our game and what we need to do. Yeah, with that coming out, and and it might not have been, you know, your guys' perspective of, you know, the underdog mentality of coming in, you know, in that five seed, but to the out outsiders who are just looking at the program are like, wow, look at these team, and now you're the top, everybody's gunning for you, you know, everyone's going to want to play their best soccer when they play against California Baptist. Does it change the way that you guys prepare? Is it just, hey, we got to lock in, doesn't matter what, what the outside world says, each game is just as important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all you can do is what you control. Um, so focus on the controllables and focus on our play. Um, we know that there are good teams in this conference. I don't think that um, that unanimous thing reflects the fact that I think there are a lot of teams that are, are really tight. I think you look last year from two to seven, it was so tight. Um, and so there's a lot of good teams in the conference and we know that and we respect it. I think we recognize that there's an element of maybe being a little bit of a target, but uh, I mean, we've got programs in this conference who've achieved a lot historically and um, what teams like Air Force and Seattle have done and being to the tournament, not just once, you know, but multiple times, that's obviously what we're striving for, what we're trying to do and achieve. But, um, you know, we did it once, we did it in our first year. That's cool. This is a new year. Um, it's time to go again and just focus on, you know, one game at a time as coaches love to say. One game at a time. And then this year, we've changed our men's soccer tournament tournament format in which there'll be two rest days. We'll start on a Sunday, and then there's two rest days. And the idea was give more rest in preparation for the NCAA tournament and, and other reasons that also factored into that. When you're a coach and you look at the schedule and you look at how you know you guys were one of those teams that went to the NCAA tournament and maybe felt the fatigue from, from playing all those games so closely together – how do you look at the way that our, our new tournament format is, is slated? Yeah. I mean, it was a necessary thing. I think we're the only conference in the country doing that. Um, anyone who's done this in the past will tell you the same thing. You just go into the NCAA tournament wrecked uh, physically. So um, it was necessary um, having to do what we did on a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, and then turn around and play at a PAC 12 school uh, four days later, who had one game the week prior, I believe. Um, yeah, that's that's just not setting our teams up for success. And so we had to make an adjustment and a change. And thankfully, the WAC supported that, um, not just with the conference tournament, but also with our league play in terms of 
finally not being a, a conference that's playing game day off game with Thursday, Saturday play. So um, there's always some debate on which day those two games should fall. But the fact that we have two days between games now, that really should be a minimum for our sport. So it's good that we've made that adjustment. Now, you've been with the program, taking it over in 2016, and you had mentioned a little bit of it before, but, you know, you took program D2, D1, now full-fledged Division One members, obviously, as, as you were in the NCAA tournament last year. How have you gotten to watch this program grow, develop? You've gotten a new field. It's so beautiful. You showcased it, of course, at the tournament last year. But what have you seen from the development of this program? Well, I knew that when I came to CBU, that this was a place that really values athletics. And, um, you know, coming down here from where I was in Boise, it was an opportunity to go to a place that was going to not just be content to compete at Division One, but was going to look to excel at the Division One level. So, yeah, that four-year journey through the transition is is challenging. I think soccer and perhaps baseball are the only sports that don't have access to some form of alternative postseason during that transition. Most of the other sports have another option besides the NCAA. So, um, and we've made a change as a conference now to allow some of these transitioning schools to participate in the WAC tournament, which I just think is the right thing to do for the kids. But um, to see the players uh, buy into that vision that, hey, we're a transitioning school, but we're going to commit to you as young players. By the time your upperclassmen will be NCAA tournament eligible and you'll be ready to have the best years of your experience when you're juniors and seniors rather than when you're freshmen and sophomores. Um, that was a, a vision and a message that so far um, has been, you know, worked out just how we hoped it would um, through three years. And now hopefully we can take another step this year. So. Not only did you guys pick up the preseason coaches poll pick to win, but you have the preseason defensive player of the year in Thomas Beecham on your squad. What has uh, he done for this team in terms of leadership? And what have you seen the offseason starting now that, uh, you know, impresses you most about how he's going to enter this season? Yeah, I mean, we saw it from the moment he arrived, his potential as a leader. Um, he's always been a good player. He's always been one of the most competitive and vocal players on our team. Um, one of the best in the air, uh, defending uh, wide service or long balls of any uh, center backs in the country, and also very good building up from the back. So he really, he really has a lot of qualities to make him successful, not just at this level. And and honestly, I was, I was expecting him to get that award. Um, I would have been surprised if he hadn't. But at the same time, the same thing. Uh, that I told the team, which is you'd rather get the one that really matters um, after the season is over rather than the one before. So, yeah, it's been great to watch him develop. And he's not alone. He's got a great partner in Antonio, who I think they're both professional prospects with the potential to play at the next level. Um, so, yeah, I'd say our back four all returning plus a few nice additions is definitely, um, you know, a strong point of our team. And I think one of the strongest groups in the country. So um, I think it starts there. And Thomas is the captain and the leader. So it, it certainly starts with him. And I think he's ready to have a great year. Uh, that's our hope and his hope at least. And hopefully we see him playing at the next level after this. You got the back four returning. You also have Nolan Premack returning the back in that. And, and his story last year was just incredible with his mother passing away. And he's able to, you know, push you guys to the NCAA tournament by making that huge save in PKs. Of course, it wasn't him. He had everybody around him as well, but 
Uh, you know, what, what have you seen from him? I know he was recovering also from double hip surgery last year. And so just incredible what he's had to overcome and continue to overcome. What's, what's uh, his mindset and what is he looking like going into the season? Yeah, he's, um, he's got a little thing he's dealing with right now that hopefully is behind him here very soon, but, um, in terms of where he's at at the moment, but, um, he's, he's another one like Thomas and Antonio, a, a four-year guy here is he's a senior, he's a leader. Um, I'd say along with Thomas, probably our most vocal leader. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got along with Thomas and, uh, Nolan and Antonio, I mean, they're, they're three of, I think 11 seniors, I believe that we have, um, and it's it's interesting to track because a lot of those guys are eligible for that extra COVID year. I mean, in Nolan's case, you know, he had a medical red shirt in there on top of the COVID year. So, um, yeah, we're fortunate to have him. He's not just a great leader within our group, but he's also a 4.0 pre-med major who is taking part-time credits this fall to graduate that he saved so that he could play this fall. And he's still 20 years old. So um, he's really got the whole the whole package as a person and uh, certainly someone we're proud to see where our, you know, our letters. Absolutely. One busy guy. He for, for sure sir, is, um, you have, you know, nine returning starters, um, in addition to all the other seniors you also have, um, and then 10 newcomers coming in. How much have, have you guys been able to gel and, uh, how much have those new players made an immediate impact in fighting for that starting role? Yeah. I mean, I'd say that this group of newcomers is, in terms of numbers and the quantity of quality that we've brought in um, is probably the best, the best group we've had since this group of seniors came in when they were freshmen back in 2020. Um, there's a lot of guys who are fighting for uh, opportunity to start opportunity to play from the bench, the opportunity just to, to travel. I know that we've never had this level of competition for those places is what we have now. Um, but there are also a lot of good guys who I think will fit into our team culture. Well, I think, the experience that you have as a student athlete, a lot of that comes down to the people that you're surrounded by. So we really do our due diligence to try and make sure that we're not just getting guys who can play, but guys who are good teammates, guys who are good people um, that'll fit into our culture here at CBU and within our team. And um, just to kind of enhance that experience for one another by going through this together. So who's excited you the most, who's had a, maybe a breakout camp or is coming back from injury and looks really strong that, that, maybe wouldn't have expected. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there are surprises. I mean, all these guys are here here because we like them um, a lot. I know that, you know, we've had some guys who've had a really good preseason, um, you know, and I'll name a few and I'll miss others, but I know Otto um, is a, is a guy who's stepped right in and, uh, and, and done a really good job um, in the back as we've kind of rotated and tried some things. Um, I know that, um, Stavros is a freshman from Cyprus who a lot of guys have been really impressed by in terms of his ability. And, and I mean, I could go on and on. There's, there's others, but, um, those are a couple guys who, um, have probably, uh, really done a nice job in terms of hitting the ground running, which is really hard to do. Even guys who've played at a high level, it's hard to come into college soccer. It's just different. The subbing changes the game. It's a little more frantic, a little more chaotic. The ebb and flow is not there as much as it is maybe internationally. So, we've had a lot of really good players that took some time to settle. Um, and so there's some other guys who I knew will do really well as well. We're very excited about this group. And like I said, I think it has the potential to be our best recruiting class, but there's a, a lot they have to achieve to uh, 
to try and mirror what the current group of seniors have done over the course of their time as well. The bar is high for them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you go, you start the season at West Virginia, going across the coast, and then you'll go to Michigan as well. Walk me through your your thought process behind these these early games and getting your guys ready, pacing those those top opponents and, and getting your team ready for the season. Yeah, you know, we have a good returning group. And so we thought it was uh, that it made sense to challenge the group. And uh, I think that we definitely have achieved that with this schedule. Some of it's uh, simple stuff like school doesn't start till after Labor Day. So going on the road opening weekend makes sense. Um, and in playing those games, we know that we're playing games that no matter what the result ends up, um, they're games that are going to benefit us, uh, both in terms of the RPI and in terms of the experience that we're going to get playing elite level competition. Um, and that's not to say that uh, we're not going there looking to win. We know that we have the ability to win every game that we play. Um, but we also put together a tough schedule to uh, prepare the team and hopefully uh, be ready to go into conference play battle tested and uh, having played, you know, eight really quality non-conference opponents. That's um, just full of teams who've been NCAA tournament teams in the past few years, picked at the top of their conference, conference champions um, all over our schedule for our eight non-conference games. And now outside of soccer, we at the mm -hmm. WAC have been following Hurricane Hillary very closely as, as it may impact some of our schools. Has, how has Riverside been impacted uh, from, from this hurricane? Well, if you're looking anything uh, for anything from the news, probably won't get it from me just because of how busy I've been. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of the personal experience that I've seen, it was, uh, I mean, it was a lot of rain. We were not used to getting rain in Riverside in August. Um, so I think we got like two inches of rain or something like that over the last 24 hours. And I know in my backyard, there's a tree that was standing up before the storm that's no longer standing. So um, debris all over the roads and stuff this morning, but um, other than, you know, leaving an almighty mess behind, it hasn't affected me much. I'm sure there's others who it's affected more, so I can't speak to it broadly, but um, yeah, it's just changed our plans a little bit this morning. You know, we went and trained on the turf in the softball outfield, which is not ideal, but it's just what we had to do, so Did you feel the hurricane, or not hurricane, excuse me, the earthquake as well? I did not. Um, I didn't feel the earthquake, but um, I had a, I had more than one person ask me if I did. You know, I think before I moved to Southern California, I thought I'd be dodging debris and hiding under desks when earthquakes happen. And now I realize it's just it's just something that happens. Oh, earthquake. OK, on to the next thing. So. <laughs> well, we're glad that you are safe and your team is safe and, and not extremely impacted by the storm and thinking of everyone who, who has been impacted. Of course. California Baptist opens the season at West Virginia, a 5 p.m. Pacific time start on Thursday, August 24th. Co Michelson, thank you so much for joining us on the WAG podcast and sharing a bit about your team ahead of the start of the season. Thank you so much for having us. So Coach Michelson, uh, with some nuggets of wisdom there, Kendra, and uh, for a team that's that's picked to win the league, it seems like he's he's pretty comfortable with that. A lot of times you get the Lou Holtz treatment, you know, it's the, oh, you know, preseason doesn't mean anything, which I, I think he said a little bit of, but you can tell it, it, it's an honor, especially CBU in only their second year being eligible for the NCAA tournament, being recognized by the coaches as the team to beat. 
Absolutely. And I mean, you know, we, we talked about a little bit in the last segment about them coming in, possibly the two seed, dropping to that five seed. And so, you know, they, they weren't surprised necessarily with what they were able to accomplish. He even made the statement that he would be surprised if Thomas Beecham wasn't the WAC defensive preseason yeah. player of the year as well. So, I mean, they're, they're a veteran squad. They're returning nine starters from last year's roster. So, you know, he, he feels like this is a team that knows what they can do and he expects them to come out and perform. Should be a lot of fun to watch WAC men's soccer and all the other sports. Want to thank uh, Coach Michelson and Tony Jones for joining us on the WAC Podcast. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.